Women making waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're never alone with a cat no. and a dog, are you? No, not they're really. Very, they're very kind of demanding, I think. Well, the cats are independent, but you need to get yourself a cat, don't you, to re- do. replace replace do. old um, pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that... awful, put like that. Well, sorry. It but sounds it... like a disposable object. <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding off because I don't want to feel like that. Oh, bless. Although what do you mean? You feel guilty about having another cat? We had a cat in the house recently, an oh. escapee. It got, well, it was an escapee. It got in mm. and it smashed the cat flap to smithereens in its determination to get out because the cat flap was locked. <laughs> Don't know how it got in. It actually say. smashed the cat flap into two pieces. You know, the perspex thing? Into two pieces, lying on the ground outside, big hole in the cat flap, had to replace the cat flap. I thought you were going to say that this cat was rather rather large and bigger than than pumpkin, no. and he wouldn't fit through the cat flap. No, but he obviously just got stuck your side. He got stuck inside the house, made oh. a right noise. My husband went downstairs to to see what the heck was going on, and he just heard this smash. The cat must have heard him coming down and thought, "Oh God!" You know, so he, he took a header, smashed the cat flap to smithereens, and got away. Well, Your so door. now you need to repair the cat flap. It was done. For the, New for, cat ah. flap installed right away. We couldn't leave it the way it was. It was literally open. <laughs> it was open to the elements. I mean, a small child could have crawled back and forward. <laughs> so, so now you need to get a cat. I you suppose do need to, so, yeah. yeah, yeah there was the get... debate at the time from my husband. Are you ever likely to... Am I? Am I ever likely to want a cat again? Because he used to pretend he didn't like the cat, but he did. But I'd sneak into the living room and find him sitting with a cat, and isn't he? And he'd be stroking it. And then he'd kind of go, get off, as I walked in. As if, as if you know, he'd been taken by surprise. You're listening to Women Making Waves radio show and podcast, brought to you by Susie Thorpe and Linda Ness. This show is all about women doing extraordinary things. Have you had in your life a plan? Mm. You know, a list of things to do that you've written down and you Mm -hmm. work your way through them. Uh, That'll be a recipe. No, 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 not that kind of thing. An (laughs) actual life plan. So in other words, you know, think of a teenager... Yeah. Or somebody about 20, kind of, uh-huh. you know, sitting there going, right, this is what I'm going to do. I want to work for this business and I want to do it by moving countries and I want to do this, this and this. Have you ever had that kind of plan? Never. I no, have I never have... written down a plan. I've had vague ideas of what I want to do over the years, but not a plan to that extent. Mm. I find that quite extraordinary. And then actually, yeah. actually follow out the plan and do yes. it. Yeah, do that's it. true. Stick to it. And it took years to achieve, but she did it. And that is one of our guests today, Lorenza Wildcard. She's uh, yeah. just released a single of all things. That was not in her plan, but she's actually managed to do it. So that will be an interesting uh, little conversation that we're going to have later on. It is, especially as that was not on her plan. It was so on her all, plan. Yeah. So we having a plan. We should up on that, actually, shouldn't we? Yes, yes, we have. We have now. She's now adapting, adapting <laughs> yes. the plan. And then, of course, somebody else maybe probably also didn't have a plan, but is now working very, very hard with all her plans and all her clients, of course, is entrepreneur 
Faye Holland. We Indeed, caught up with her. Another really interesting chat with Faye Holland, who is quite inspiring and the hardest working businesswoman, I think. Of, I mean, they're all hardworking and we know that. And we're always asking, how the heck do you fit in your, you know, things in your spare time? But when you see the list of businesses and um, organisations that she's involved with on boards and various things, I don't know how she does it. And also slotting it into your life. Yeah. There's so many things. another planner. I think this is where we're going wrong, yeah. Susie. We don't <laughs> plan nearly enough. <laughs> we might do after this one, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Maybe life yeah. will get better for us if we actually have a plan. <laughs> Women Making Waves. Faye Holland is a well-known and well-respected member of Cambridge's business community. Faye, you're the founder of Cofinitive, a PR and marketing communication consultancy and co-founder of the Impact Women's Network, which sets out to raise the visibility of impactful women. You're on the board of the Cambridgeshire and Peterborough Combined Authority Business Board and you're also chair of the Cambridge and South Cambridgeshire Chamber of Commerce. There is more, but I've just picked out the highlights. Firstly, I've got no idea how you fit all of that into your life, (laughs) Faye. Thank you for joining us on Women Making Waves. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm keen to find out more about your interest in supporting women. But can we start at the beginning of your career? You went to Anglia Ruskin University. Was that your introduction to Cambridge? It was. So I wanted to get, sorry, mother and father, I wanted to get as far away from my mum and dad as possible. Um, You and every other student. I know. Well, well, my sister went to Sheffield and my mum and dad went and visited her pretty much every weekend. And I'm like, that is not what I'm being a student for. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm a northerner, as you'll probably hear, and so it was quite a way away. So Cambridge it was. It was actually Cambridge College of Arts and Technology um, when I went there, and I think it changed names yes. three or four times whilst I was there. So, yeah, I, I did a music degree. Really? That's quite far removed from what you're ending up doing now, then. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I grew up and all I liked doing was music. Um, I played the cello and piano and that was my life. And I just thought, you know what, I know I'm going to go into business. I most definitely could never, I wasn't good enough to perform and I couldn't teach. I mean, you know, God bless teachers because what they do is is heroic <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. There's yeah. no way I could teach. So I just did what I was passionate about and that basically is the story of my life I think doing what you're passionate about that's half the battle though Faye isn't it because if you don't if you're not passionate about something it's a it's an uphill struggle was it always your intention to start your own business no I think like like lots of people that are on this program we change you know we we Mm. we develop we go in one direction and then we realize actually we can go in a different direction so I was I I always wanted to be in the business world And I liked working for other people. And it was only later on in my career, obviously, that I decided I was going to set up my own business with the intention of it just being me. But that didn't quite work out because very soon I got quite a few clients and I needed to have more people working in the team. So that's where I've ended up. But that definitely wasn't where I started. 
Faye, can I just ask you, you said that your sister went to Sheffield. What was she studying there? And, and I suppose I just wanted to ask you what your mum and dad thought about you doing music, I suppose. You know, was there some pressure to do, for pressure on your side that you wanted to get away and have your own life? But what was your sister doing? So my sister did medicine and she is a surgeon. She was the youngest female colorectal surgeon in the UK. So Joy's the clever one, basically. <laughs> she, you know, hugely impactful life and choices of what she's done with her career. She was very successful in the UK and then she actually left. She, she lives and works in Africa now wow. um, and, and has done for probably the last decade um, so she's she's utterly inspirational. So uh, to be honest, like Joy always knew she was going to be a doctor, l- literally from age zero. She knew mm-hmm. she was that was her trajectory. So I could never compete with Joy. Joy Joy was the brainy one. You know, she was the straight A's where I'm very much of a get the job done kind of person. So for my mum and dad, it was great because we're two very different personalities with very different interests. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, there was definitely there was no pressure. It was a do what you enjoy. I think sometimes my dad wished that I played the flute rather than the cello because, you know, that's obviously a little bit. It could have been worse. It could have been a, a double bass or a euphonium yeah, drums. or something. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, no, definitely not the drums. That would have been mayhem. Did, did you feel like you were taking a big risk when you set up on your own? Or, or did you have nothing to lose? Was it just something you fancied doing? Well, I had nothing to lose. I think it was, you know, I'd worked in the corporate world for a good long time and really got to a very senior level and I reached the point I work globally so I did an awful lot of traveling a lot of multicultural and to be honest I got to the point where I was more interested in the clients that I was working with and what they were doing and how they were doing it than I was in the company that I was working for Mm. so I kind of just you know it was a bit of a midlife crisis and just went you know what I'm going to do things totally different and I had this idea that I was going to take off every December and every August and I'd just do the contracts I wanted and it'd be you know that that elusive work-life balance that totally does not exist um (laughs) And so, yeah, I just decided to have a change. And, and I think it's a, as you develop and as you grow up, shall I say, you know, you realise that you've got lots of things, but actually they don't really matter. And I wanted to do something that, you know, kind of really meant something. Yeah, that's interesting, actually, Faye, you say that. I, I, I think I have heard that before, where people say that they like their job, but they're, as you've just quite rightly said, they're really interested in the clients. Now, you don't often hear that. You often hear people striving to get through the business, get to the top. But your your wish was to not please the client, but to, to work with interesting clients. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even when I was doing music for me it's always about communications and how you work with people and interact with them and engage with them and so communications that's that's what it's all about and so when I'd, I'd look at you know a large company or a small company doesn't matter I'd go actually I think I can help them a different way to what I'm currently hired to do and that's why I just thought let's let's give it a go I've got nothing to lose I can always go and get another job mm. but let's give it a go and certainly I, I mean I still work on on global projects and obviously I've got a big global network but Cambridge is just not short of, of <laughs> entrepreneurship and great technologies and mm. an amazing world-changing things so we are not spoiled for choice for things no. to work on. 
But getting that first client on board, that must have been, was that exciting? I'm kind of imagining it was. Yeah, so so um, my first clients were all from my existing network. Um, so they actually were nothing to do with Cambridge. So even though I've lived in Cambridge ever since I started my degree, you know, my, my husband had a kid, all that kind of stuff. I didn't have any foothold in Cambridge at all six and a bit years ago. I didn't know anyone. So my original clients were from the global network. And then I actually was approached on LinkedIn by a phenomenal lady who you should also get on this program called Emma Fletcher, who was setting up a a whole venture around agritech. And she found me and I was at the time working with a community interest company um, who put green spaces in prisons and schools and things like that. And it really fit with what she was thinking. It kind of matched her ethos. So we we arranged to meet in the centre of Cambridge and then realised that we both live in villages next to each other in the outskirts of Cambridge. And that was kind of the first real major comms strategy, PR, brand, everything that we do. That was the first major client. And it was just brilliant. You know, she really got it, what we did. She wanted to have something that was really impactful and and different to what else she could find and that just took off and from that relationship literally we just we just haven't stopped that's great though it's great that that happened to you that that client came along and was a fit entirely because I can imagine if you do start your own business and you end up with a whole kind of bunch of people who are you know really nice and okay to work with but they don't really kind of fire you up you know, it, it must be quite uh, quite depressing, but that that sounds like you were just off to a flying start there by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, and and to be honest, so I'm, I'm I say it as it is, so this might come across a little bit brutal, but the, there's a lot of work out there, and there's a lot of people offering similar kinds of of services. So for me and for the team fit is really important Mm -hmm. you know we we work blinking hard and we love (laughs) our jobs and it's really important that actually we buy into what the concept is and we buy into the client so I'm not afraid if the fit isn't there to say actually do you know what this isn't going to work but I I recommend someone else Mm -hmm. because I you know I do think you can spread the love a little bit um, like that as well so so yeah I think life's too short to do things that you're not going to make an impact or it's not going to make you happy. And th- and that's the ethos that we have here. And, you know, ho- hopefully if you spoke to any of the team, they, they, w- they would certainly say the same thing. Now, you mentioned earlier, Faye, about work-life balance. I'm dying to ask you, how do you fit it all in? How does it all work out? Are you having days where you just think, I'm not doing it today or I, I need to have a time away? How does it all fit without being completely overloaded? Do you have a sort of a, a skill to manage it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wouldn't it be lovely? Wouldn't it be like, you know, I'm the the same as everybody else, right? We just, we just get it done. You know, I I love a deadline. And when (laughs) I've got a deadline, that's probably when I'll get the work done. And it is a constant juggle, whether it's a job, your family, your hobbies, your health, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe not your health, because that's quite important. Scrap that bit. But we juggle. And actually, it's one of the best attributes that we have as women. I don't necessarily agree with multitasking. 
I think multitasking can be unproductive. Disastrous. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, so those that go, oh, I'm a brilliant multitasker, actually, I think that I'm getting worse at multitasking. Mm-hmm. But I get things done when they need to be done. And I, I don't like to list the number of things that, as I'm sure most of your listeners don't want to list all of the things that you get through in a day. But do you know what? It gets done and you go back to as long as you enjoy doing it. And if you don't enjoy doing it, stop doing it yeah mm, yeah, yeah that, that's good good, good advice, advice. now yeah. you've got an enthusiasm for improving gender balance in businesses and you co-founded impact women's network tell us about that yes yeah, so um shima barakat started it and i kind of injected myself and started talking about well i think we should do this and i think you know we need to go broader or we need to have a different message and she went you know what just co-found it with me then so that was as subtle as it was as as starting it and it's a great program so basically we have these informal meetings once a month every Wednesday morning anyone can come it was in person it's now on zoom which has done great jobs for actually expanding our audience Mm -hmm. but we have a really strong ethos with impact women's network in that we do not need to be fixed we want to do things that empower and sponsor each other to achieve great things you know whether it's educating ourselves on new technology or like at the moment we're running this whole series on inter-resilience and that how everything connects together and we need to know about things like cryptocurrency and health and so it's about educating and informing but then doing something about it so it might for example be about what's our impact on the environment and what can we do individually or as a collective or the best thing is we get a couple of of women will have a conversation and then they'll go off into a corner virtual or otherwise and then they'll go and do something and that's the impact that we're we're looking for so i'm not saying that there isn't a need for mentoring and, and development and those types of things but there are loads of groups that can do that so so the group that shima and i run is much more about empowering people to make an impact in the world do you know something Faye my experience of networking with other women is that they're often really supportive and they're willing to share their mistakes as well as their triumphs do you think that women network in a different way to men no but I'm going to say no because I think that that's my network and that's who I am and how I interact with people so I don't necessarily see that I think we should network more Mm. as much as anyone else does I think I think we just have to recognize that we're human beings and individual I don't necessarily think that matters what what gender we are yeah yeah Mm. no no that's good it's just I, I just noticed that it, it was the sharing of mistakes that men seem a little bit more reluctant to do when I was in a net, network <laughs> yeah. before. And there was a big network. It wasn't an all-female all network. But it was just when you met women, they were far more likely to come clean. Once they got to know you a little bit over a glass of wine, they would say, oh, there was awful. I mean, dreadful mistake this week. I did such and such and it caused havoc and it was awful but you know I had to sort it out and whereas I had never heard that coming from a man you know it was just kind of interesting. Have you ever experienced any gender related problems of your business life and it sounds like you probably haven't? Um, I think it would be unrealistic to suggest I hadn't. 
I, I mean, I, I've worked all my entire career has been in, it's been in predominantly the tech industry. So it's predominantly a male orientated world. Still is, unfortunately, which is why I think it's important that we get out there and keep promoting ourselves and other other women in this space. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I have. But for me, and I think it's part of my personality, I've always called it out. You know, I remember times in the very earliest bits of my career that I just I didn't really probably realize it was inappropriate behavior I just knew that it wasn't something that I wanted to be around so I called it out and I called it out personally or if I saw someone else you know I I remember sitting in a board meeting right at the beginning of my career and I'd gone in there to give a presentation and there was a woman sitting in the boardroom and she wasn't interacting and wasn't she was just being talked over by everyone else in the room and I asked you know well what do you think about it and and, you know I think that that's our duty and and so for me I I don't think I'm any different from anyone else but that's my normal if Mm. you like so so I don't I'm sure if I really thought about it I might be able to conjure up some some horror stories but for me I think I've just always just cracked on with it yeah Faye, what are you, so you were talking about obviously gender equality and women in business. So you were just saying that in women in tech in the business area that there are obviously more males at the moment. How long do you think it's going to take before we see some sort of equality in the tech world? I think there are pockets of change now, but I think it's going to take a long time. I think any level of equality, and, and for me, actually, it's not just about women. It's it's the whole diversity and inclusion. It's about diversity of thought. It's age. It's 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 everything that, that matters. So I think we're a long way off any kind of equality. I mean, I'm talking decades off, but we have a responsibility to all create a better place in which case you know like technology is going to dictate our lives even more than it is Mm -hmm. and if we don't have diverse people involved in the development of technology we're not going to like what we get so so i think every business leader has a responsibility to be looking at age social background all of those types of things to try and address the issue but it's a huge concerted effort and when you know you put a job out and you look at the cvs and you're looking at the same type of person all the time it is really difficult in 2019 you were listed we're talking about technology you were listed on the computer weekly's most influential women in uk tech that is quite an achievement actually how did you feel about that i think it's it's brilliant it is such a phenomenal list and um so i think i first appeared on it a couple of years ago and it comes out every year and every year Mm. i'm like am i going to be on it again (laughs) but but for me actually also we go to all of our clients and and say right we we need to get you on that list right what can we do to get to, to raise your profile and get you on that list any award or recognition is lovely but I'd much rather we were also celebrating it for our clients and and upping that level of awareness because every single female that we get in a position or get on a list or get winning awards then if they just encourage one other person to raise their head above the parapet or maybe look at a career change then that's job done isn't it Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah no that's absolutely true I'm interested to see that you're 
Chair of the Cambridge City and South Cambridgeshire Chamber of Commerce. That is a mouthful. We recently uh, featured Dr Isabella Moore and she for a long time was uh, the Chair of the UK Chamber of Commerce. Is that a position you'd be interested in, uh, in holding? I've got absolutely no idea. You know, re- remember, I need a deadline. Um, so, I, you know, I, th- I think, oh, being serious, we should look at every opportunity that comes our way. You know, I would encourage more people just to say yes. You know, we have a tendency to go, oh, do I want to take on something else? Because... I've got this to do and that to do and how am I going to fit it all in? Mm-hmm. You know, if we if we like the sound of something, we should give it a go. Even if we just do a three-year, five-year term, being a woman as a chair or on a board or in your network group, whatever whatever the level is that you want to do, I think it's really important that we say yes and we do it. What I'm going to be doing in the future, I really have got no idea. And what about the last year, Faye, for you and going through all this pandemic and working from home? I'm assuming your company, you've really just sort of got hold of it and embraced it and done that. But have you noticed other companies that are your clients, have they sort of suffered? Have you had to really go in there and help them in that sense and just give them a sort of a a sort of a perspective of, of moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's been a real mixed bag. One thing that's been slightly negative is some people have reacted adversely to the situation. So, you know, there have been a few pockets of behaviours that I don't think we'd, we'd particularly want to celebrate. And that's just as a general statement. But what I have to say is the overriding thing has been a sense of community Mm -hmm. and you know that cohesion of getting people and helping out so for for us we did right at the start we did quite a lot of work on covid solutions i mean it was actually quite emotional and i had to i had to really work with the team to make sure that it didn't become too much because you you know one of them was icu solution in in the hospital you know so we're dealing with really really sensitive subjects so there was there was a lot of work there there was other things around crisis management reputation risk you know the things that you don't generally have to deal with so so we did quite a bit on on that but then we saw some companies that were really struggling and you can't help what you know we we were busy but you can't help take on the feelings of those those other companies Mm -hmm. and just wanting to wanting to try and help them as much as you can even if it's just you know let's sit down and i mean virtually of course and and just chat things through you know i remember talking to to one company that was an accountant and they're just like they were losing the plot they were really struggling to keep the motivation of the team and they were busy you know it wasn't that they they weren't busy so I I think we you know a lot of companies have have struggled but I I really hope that we're getting through it and that businesses know that there is support out there for them too. We mentioned earlier about downtime I can't imagine you got time for it but what, what do you do when you've got your spare time are you still into music? So I I listen to music and I sing it very badly. I don't know what's going on with my voice. I mean, I used to be able to sing, but honestly, I'm proper dreadful now. Um, So we we have just taken on a renovation project. (laughs) 
So my, oh my um, gosh, now you're no, making no. me feel exhausted. No, honestly, it really is terrible. I'm just like, this is just going to be a really awkward year. Um, so, so we're living in temporary accommodation whilst we're doing this renovation. So my spare time seems to be like digging up trenches for the gas supply to go in or, or something like that. But I don't mind that because it's outside and you're, you know, you're getting your hands dirty and that's kind of good. So, so that takes up a lot of my time. I love cooking. I love entertaining and, and creating things. So I'm a bit of a social animal as well. And then rest time, walking the dogs, things like that. So, yeah, you know, of course, I have a life as well. Sometimes <laughs> My husband sometimes tells me often doesn't think I've got a life, but I'm, I, I do have a life. <laughs> well, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you, Faye Holland. It's been absolutely brilliant. And thank you very much for joining us today. Thank no, you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And coming up after the break, we meet Lorenza Wildcard. Now, Lorenza went through a painful marriage breakup, and although she had never written any music in her life, she was inspired to pen a song. And within 24 hours of it being on the internet, a music producer wanted her to record it. And the single, You and I, has just been released. Cambridge 105 Radio. In 1960s Cambridge, you might have shopped at Joshua Taylor, gone roller skating at the Corn Exchange and seen the Beatles perform live at the Regal Cinema. On Sunday mornings, John Gannon takes you back in time with hits and memories from the swinging decade. John Gannon's 60s scene, Sundays at 8am on the station that's live and local. Cambridge 105 Radio. Looking to buy a new home this summer but it feels out of reach? Think getting on the property ladder just isn't an option for you? Think again. New homes in Haverhill and Cottenham are available now with shared ownership with your mortgage deposit as low as from £4,000. The final two and three bedroom homes at Bower Place and Boyton Place also have exclusive incentive packages available worth over £2,500. With £1,000 shopping vouchers, £500 towards your solicitor's fees and three months rent free, book your viewing today to find out what's on offer. Reserve from just £99 and find your new home this summer. Think shared ownership, think complete moves. Visit complete-moves.co.uk or call 020-3640-7111 today. Terms and conditions apply. Need dropping off at work? Missed the bus and must make that urgent appointment? Need picking up after a night out with your mates? Panther Taxis is your Cambridge-based taxi firm with over 700 drivers, offering great rates and local knowledge, ensuring you make it quickly and safely to your destination. We don't inflate our prices at peak times, and all our drivers accept payments by cash or card. Book your taxi the easy way. Download our free Panther Taxis app through your app store and start booking your taxis on the go. Call Cambridge 715 715 or see panthertaxis.co.uk. Panther Taxis, your local quick, reliable and friendly taxi company in the city. Listen to our interviews by visiting womenmakingwaves.co.uk. Italian Lorenza Wildcard, whom we're going to call Wildcard, has lived on Cambridge's Mill Road since 2019. Just before the pandemic struck, Lorenza suffered personal heartbreak 
and although she's never done anything musical before, wrote a song about it, which is now being released as a single. Intrigued, we've invited her into Women Making Waves to find out more. Hi, Wildcard. Thank you very much for joining us. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Oh, very great. welcome. Great to have you. to be on your show. <laughs> well, we're honoured to have you. Now, you were brought up in Italy and then Correct. you studied at the London Metropolitan University. What made you come to the UK? I uh, grew up watching MTV and uh, watching a lot of American shows and uh, I was really dreaming about going to faraway places. I grew up basically dreaming about going to England or going to America. And uh, when I turned 21, I just decided it was about time. And I made a list of things that I wanted to do and I just took off basically. And one of them was I wanted to go to England and I wanted to work for MTV, for instance. Wow. Uh, that was one of the things. And I just came over to the UK. Really. That is quite brave, actually. It's a brave it thing is. to do at 21. Yeah, I don't remember doing it that at was. 21, I had to say. I did, I did the it opposite. Was, actually. But I was a bit <laughs> a slightly older than you and I went to Italy, funnily enough. Ah. <laughs> But don't ask me to speak Italian because that'll go horribly wrong. <laughs> well, I left Italy. I came to the UK and I was an au pair. And I was an au pair for a few months. And then uh, my parents started to get like, so Lorenza, you know, it's about time you come back. And I thought, no, no, I'm not done here. I want to, you know, I want to carry on being here. I have things that I want to do. So I enrolled at university. And uh, I enrolled in the university with the idea that afterwards I was going to be working for MTV. And I clearly remember that after I graduated, uh, I was telling all my friends, I'm just going to get a job at MTV and that's what I'm going to be doing. And the week passed and my friends started to get a bit anxious because they were like, Lorenzo, you know, maybe you should look at getting other jobs. You should uh, consider all the options because there's a lot of people that want to get a job there. You just graduated. And uh, I remember they actually did an intervention. But you know what's funny? That the following day, I got offered a job. <laughs> and that's just what I wanted to do. And I thought, yeah, I really did stuck to my guns. And uh, it did happen. And I did get a job. And I, I thought it was hilarious. That's <laughs> quite incredible, actually. It is. Had they kind of talked you around into applying to other places then during the intervention? Yes, yes, they did. I remember that um, a couple of friends asked me to go into the city room and they were sitting there and they were like, you know, we're a bit worried about you because you keep saying that you're going to get a job at MTV, but, you know, there's a lot of people that want to get a job there. You just graduated. And I was like, yeah, but this is really what I want to do. You know, it's in my list of things that I want to achieve and I want to do. And they were like, yeah, but, you know, you have to pay the rent, you have to pay the bills. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And I was starting to doubt about myself. I, I started to think, maybe I'm not going to get this job. Maybe it's just not going to happen for me. And I thought, tomorrow I'll go and get the newspaper, start looking for jobs, you know, look online. And I got called by MTV. <laughs> and uh, my friend picked up the call. And when I went back home, I was actually out getting the paper. And uh, when I came back into the house, my friend said to me, Lorenza, MTV just called. I thought he was joking. I said, no way, come on. 
stop it <laughs> stop it stop teasing me i get the message <laughs> but no it was it was that is really something actually so you stayed there quite a while did you like that then did you like it there i loved working for mtv i absolutely loved it i worked there for quite a long time and um I didn't just work in programming. I started as uh, an intern. I then became a researcher. I worked in uh, production for a long time. And then I moved into programming and uh, content. So I kind of did a lot. I worked in a lot of different departments and I absolutely loved all of it. It was a great place for me to grow. We had a lot of fun as well. It's a, it's a very good company to work for. I enjoyed going like on junkets uh, when you go and interview. Uh, actors for their film premieres, going on red carpets, and uh, it was really a lot of fun, a lot of fun. It's always on the background, never in front of the camera, though. always in the background. It does sound, when it, whatever you were doing, it sounds like you were quite a sort of determined person. At, a, at any age, I think, you, you sort of know what you want to do, but I think you know more than most people that you almost believed in yourself. Is this something that is quite a good an example yes. of you, that you are, you're quite confident, aren't you? And that's a good thing. Please don't get me wrong. It's a really, yes. really good mm. thing. And, and I get the impression that you want to listen to your friends, but actually, you know what you want. Yes, I, I have a clear idea of what I want. But I, I really want to clarify that it's not like I trust my judgment all the time. In fact, I, I have a lot of self-doubt. I have uh, a lot of times I just ask myself, is this really going to work out? Especially because I seem to have a lot of big ideas. And then I tell myself, Lorenza, really? Is, is this another crazy idea of yours? Or <laughs> is this something that you can actually do? You know, like, perhaps this doesn't sound like a crazy idea, but for somebody who came from Italy, you know, Coming to the UK was my very first time abroad. I'd never been abroad. I literally came over with my belongings. Uh, and it was a major thing. It was a very big thing for me. And then um, saying, I'm going to enroll at university. I barely spoke English. <laughs> and, uh, you know, on the very first day at university, they got us all into one big room. And they called our names and they were, they were telling us, you know, if, you're, if you get called in this group, you need to go to this room. And if you get called in this group, you need to do this and that. I was the last person in that room. You know why? Because I couldn't understand what they were saying. I can imagine. So I had a lot of challenges. My English wasn't good. On my first week at university, I cried a lot because I was thinking, I don't think I have it in me to follow through with this. I don't think I'm going to make it. When I got a job at NTV, I didn't know if I was going to be any good. I have a lot of self-doubt. But I think whenever you're faced with new challenges, you're going to have a lot of voices at the back of your head going like, oh, are you going to be good enough? Are you going to make it? Maybe you're not going to make it. But I think it's important to make sure that you acknowledge the negative voices, but yes. you make the positive ones louder. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Wildcard. I think it's good to accept these thoughts that you have, but to work around them. And, and it's it's so normal. I think to be perfect is completely abnormal. Hmm. 
Actually, self-doubts are not a bad thing because they keep you from just being ridiculous. You, yes. you were saying earlier that you that you got great big ideas, but I know people with great big ideas who just plow ahead regardless and never stop to think, is this the right thing? I think there's a good balance there between having the, the great ideas and the questioning. I think it's a good thing, you know. It is a good thing because I think it helps to keep you grounded, but yes. it's important not to let them define you. Mm -hmm. Uh, because if those negative voices define you or even other people's fears define you then you stop being yourself and that's not good Mm -hmm. that is not good that's right now you made the jump at some point between being employed to actually starting your own business and it's called wellness and purpose that's a bit of a switch of career what what caused (laughs) that (laughs) i've worked at ntv for many years at some point i decided that Yes, I wanted to work at NTV, that's where I wanted to be. But I stopped enjoying it as much as I did at the beginning. Also, I had kind of outgrown it. I wasn't a teenager anymore. And I felt like I wanted to give my position to somebody else that was going to enjoy it as much as I did when I started off working at NTV. Also, there were some reshuffling within the organization. I was going through difficult times as well. There were some some personal issues, uh, and uh, and I felt like maybe this is the right time for me to start something new. And I have to be honest, when I left MTV, I felt a little bit lost at the beginning because when you work somewhere for so long, it starts to be become you. You're defined by that job. Even when anyone asks me, "What do you do?" As soon as I used to say, that, oh, I work for MTV, it was an opening line to which everyone would go like, oh, wow. Mm. And I realized that I was still me, but I needed to find something else that I was going to enjoy in that time in my life. And um, I took actually uh, a few gap years in my, in my life. But after MTV, I took a gap year. And, um, and I decided that I wanted to do a bit of traveling. I, and I tried to have an internal conversation with myself about what I wanted to, to do next. I was doing a lot of courses with the Open University and I realized the topics that were attracting me were things such as um, cognitive behavioral therapy, about physical, mental well-being and financial independence. I realized that it was important to have those four pillars. Mm-hmm. And that is what basically it's at the basis of uh, wellness and purpose, which effectively is intended as an online uh, resource to help uh, people using both empirical evidence, but also my own personal experience. And it's about looking after yourself mentally, physically, and also financially. So it was just a need for me to see if I could help other people. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. And then you had what sounds like a bit of a tough time when your marriage broke up. And that was during the lockdown, I understand. But you were inspired to write this song. So tell us about that. Because, I mean, did it start as, I'll write some poetry? Or did it just come out of you in some way? (laughs) You know, it it sounds uh, like another one of my strange ideas uh, that's that's how it started really um in a sense that basically i i had moved to cambridge in november 2019 with my then husband we moved here because of his job we we were relocating here my family is now in cambridge my friends were not in cambridge 
And um, because I was working on wellness and purpose, I didn't really have like a, a, an opportunity to go and meet new people, say, at an office. And then within three months, my ex decided to break up. And uh, just a couple of months later, lockdown started. So you'd think that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Someone going through the breakdown of a marriage in a city where she doesn't have family, she doesn't have friends, and she's going through the lockdown. It's literally a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to say, although I'd rather die, there were some really bad days where I just wanted to cry my eyes out. I just thought to myself, you know, Lorenza, you always said that you wanted to write a song, you'd never done it. But it's something that you always said you would like to do at some point. But I never had a, a real meaning, a real purpose to write a song. And this time I felt like I had something to say. Mm. I really did have something to say. So I sat down with a piece of paper and a pen and my guitar, and I thought, all right then, so let's do it. And, uh, and then it just happened. And I think the reason it happened was simply because I had something to say. Yeah. I wanted to tell my story. Staring at this cards I did not choose Holding on my breath not to go loose Even in this place so dark and strange Without you by my side understand what I was going through and I realized as well that as I was writing it it wasn't just a story that I wanted to write for myself but almost to say to anyone you know I know what you're going through this is hard but it is not the end and uh, I wrote the song within uh, a couple of hours and then when I had it there on paper I thought it seems a shame not to record it mm -hmm. so I recorded it on my phone and then I thought, well, now I have it on the phone. It seems shame not share with somebody. <laughs> so I, I thought, I'm going to send it to four of my friends. And I shared it with four of my friends and uh, their response was immediate. They were like, wow, this is really quite something. And then 24 hours later, I just got approached by a music producer. And I was asked if I wanted to go in the studio and record it professionally. The story is actually quite funny because I didn't think that could possibly happen to me. So when I spoke to Ettore the first time, I said to him that I wasn't interested. I, I just thought this is strange. He got me back the second day and he asked me again and I said, I don't think I can do it. And on the third day, he called me back on the third day, I agreed to send a new recording and see if he could do something like a demo for me. And mm -hmm. on the fourth day, he came back to me and he said, listen, I can't work like this. If you're serious about it, you'll come into the studio and you'll record it professionally. And then at that point, I thought, okay, this seems serious and maybe I should do it. It seemed too good an opportunity to not take it. I actually want to add this and I, I actually don't mind saying it because I, I want people to know how it came about. I'm not a guitarist. I play the guitar. I'm, I'm not extraordinarily good at it. I know a few chords. 
and uh, I played in what I call an experimental way. I placed the fingertips on the strings that I like the sound of and and that's the way I play. Mm. I, I don't know them by name and sometimes I make them up. This is how I play the guitar. So even though I play the guitar this way, I managed to create the melody. And when I was in studio, I was really flattered because the producer, who was also pianist, said to me, you may not know this, but actually the combination of chords that you've chosen, they work really well. But you just done it using your, uh, your intuition. And that's, that's amazing. So I was really flattered. I like the idea that you're just playing the guitar your own way and you're not sticking to the rules. I really like that, actually. But now that you've started, are you thinking about continuing doing sing-songwriting? Absolutely. I didn't know I had it in me. You know when you do something and you know it's the right thing and it feels so right and it almost it doesn't matter to you anymore whether you are doing it by the rules or like, you know, mm -hmm. how you're supposed to do it. It just feels right. For me, it's like, it's a way to express myself. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I also, by, by putting aside the fear of failure and the fear that if I go into a recording studio and I show people that I don't know how you know, I don't know the chords. They'll think badly of me. Well, that didn't happen. No. And uh, and look where I am. I mean, I got a song that is out. So, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And no, you're absolutely right. And I get the impression as well that you are getting quite a lot of support in Cambridge because it, it seems that you, you've been here for a short space of time in Cambridge, but... Yes. Are we right here? Are we getting the right impression that you are getting an amazing amount of support because they like what yes. you do? Yes, they, they really do. I, I think I'm, I've been really fortunate. Again, without planning it, I ended up in Cambridge following my ex. But the street I live in is super friendly. But mm. the whole of Cambridge as well, people are very nice. They, they are very keen to help you. And it's not like a, a really big city where people don't know you and you're not well connected. Here instead, I've, uh, I've had so many people come up to me and say, okay, how can I help? And uh, supporting me, encouraging me. Uh, all of my neighbors have been absolutely fantastic. I've made great friends, even during the lockdown. Mm -hmm. I made friends with my neighbors and, uh, you know, really good friendship started. Uh, I'm so pleased, I'm really, really pleased. And everything just spiraled from there. And then coming back, there was, uh, the whole planning of the release uh, and uh, and now and now there's all of the aftermath it's amazing because i even just before the song was uh, released uh, through social media i i started to have fans to send me personal messages uh, asking me for tips uh, or telling me that my story encouraged them to go out there and follow their dreams oh, or wow. face their fears and i was really totally humbled by this mm -hmm. I just didn't expect it and um, and it is so nice because I, I wanted to be able to inspire other people to say, do you know what, even if you go through a divorce, even if you go through a massive break breakup, that's, you know, that's one thing that you are, but that's not going to shake the foundations of the whole persona no. that you have going because you're many things, you're not just a partner, you're maybe you're a sister, you're an hmm. aunt, you're, you're a colleague. You're somebody with hobbies. So you have many other things, not just that. I've really, really enjoyed chatting to you. So Lorenzo, it's been great. It, yes, it really it's been has. Absolutely Thank you brilliant. Thank so much.
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute joy and Mm. uh, I I really enjoyed it and you made me feel really comfortable. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. it's, It's been really, really lovely. Thank you. Thank you. And let's hear the whole song, You and I, by Lorenza Wildcard. Staring at this card I did not choose Holding on my breath not to go loose Even in this place so dark and strange Without you by my side I will never
listened to Lorenza Wildcard, Susie. Are you any more inspired to maybe start making lists of <laughs> things that you want to do and sticking to them? I think well, I, I am a bit, yeah. actually. And I don't I, mean where your next holiday is going to be either. All right. I know that you, you have lists of those, don't you? Actually, you're right. I do have lists of where I'd like yeah, to go. And that's I probably the one do. thing I do do. They are my life and holiday you, lists. And you stick to them as well, frequently. Yeah, I think you're a bit jealous, that's all. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Faye Holland and Lorenza Wildcard. As you say, we've learned quite a bit from this one, haven't we? Indeed. Thank you to both of you for taking part in Women Making Waves. Now, if you know of a woman that you think we should be talking to please do get in touch how can they do that Susie yeah well this is the easy part for you you can contact us via social media on Twitter and Facebook at women MW or on Instagram at women making waves radio and you can also find us on cambridge 105.co.uk or you can visit our website womenmakingwaves.co.uk as well where you can hear all of our interviews We look forward to chatting to you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.